Are we ready? Yes, we are. Oh, you want to put the shades on so I can take a picture of you with the shades on? Is that what you want? I mean, I'm, no, no, I just, I don't know why. I just love my sunglasses, so I'm just going to put them over here because I love them. I mean, I mean, they look terrible on you, but that's fine as long as you love them. Rude. thing is, Brian, you've been wrong for a very long time, and that's okay. I respect that. <laughs> you respect that uh, I've been wrong for a really long time? <laughs> I, I feel badly for you, but it's not up to me to fix that. So. Listen, wrong and proud. That's, that's what we're going for here. We all make choices. <laughs> Was that Tatiana? Yes. Welcome to Plus and Delta. Today we have a wonderful guest that I'm complimenting just because she is on the podcast. Uh, her name is Alicia Deer. And I've known this lovely lady for way too long, uh, some might say. I'm actually kind of sick of knowing her. Uh, I met her first. <laughs> I first met her, I want to say like 2009-ish, 2010. Uh, which, yeah, holy crap, 11 years, uh, working at the good old Papa John's where she was driver extraordinaire and always late. Uh, from there, she's grown quite a bit. Uh, she tried the college route. She's tried all kinds of different jobs, which I'll let her talk about. And now she's a wonderful real estate agent here in the Tampa Bay area. So Alicia, welcome. Uh, we have Jerome here too, but he doesn't matter. Wow, you're on a different wavelength. You, yeah, energy. <laughs> Welcome, Alicia. Hopefully, those negative vibes that Brian is releasing doesn't affect your personality, your mood, and how you feel today. Brian, I feel in this in this social climate, it is not appropriate to say that the the person of color on this channel doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, just can't. Brian, you're going to have us canceled. Hey, hey listen, as some people say, if I'm also a person of color, then I can't be racist. Isn't that what that people say? Wait, wait, do you <laughs> want yourself person of color on the uh, ethnicity race list, sir? Hey, wait. Well, <laughs> and the ethnicity, technically, white. I am Hispanic, white. but as race, yes, I guess technically I would fall under white. My apologies, Jerome. Don't feel targeted. <laughs> no, I don't feel targeted. It, 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 we're all fucking around here, but yes, I'm sorry, Jerome. I cut you off, which is also very fucked up if you think about it. Like here, I am cutting you off. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna cut all. We're gonna cut all each other off today. All right, we're good to go. So, How are you doing, Alicia? I haven't talked to you in a minute. I just talked to you a second ago. You're the worst. Jerome was trying to say... All right. Jerome, yeah. what are you going to say, Jerome? So what I was going to say, Alicia, is that um, since Brian, you know, has known you for a long time, I've recently known you for about a year or two or so, but I wanted to know about your journey um you what led you here uh the choices decisions that you have made so let's start off there um first tell me about yourself where are you from because i actually don't know oh okay well you're about to learn so i'm i'm from tampa i'm from here um i was i went to school 
Okay, so let's, I'll give you the really condensed version of my life. Uh, I am one of six kids. I've got two dads. They're not gay for each other. My mom just got around. Um, <laughs> the, the, the dynamics in my family are very interesting, which is not the point of the podcast today. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, growing up, we were raised in Section 8 housing, so I was raised uh, basically in poverty. Like There was uh, four of us living in the house or the, uh, the Section 8 apartment we lived in with my mom. And, um, you know, like there's, I was always aware from a very young age of money and resources and how scarce they were in my life. And it definitely was something that impacted my development growing up. So, I mean, uh, a little bit, when I got a little bit older, about uh, preteen ish, about like nine or nine to 12 is when my, my biological father came back into my life. Prior to that, I always thought that this other dude was my dad. And he was in and out of prison, so I didn't really get any time with him. Anyway, uh, fast forward to my dad coming back into my life. He, um, he brought financial stability, but then it brought a whole bunch of other emotional baggage, which I've spent my adult life unpacking. It's been a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> F- fun being the key word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and, th- and this all matters in terms of growth because, I mean, this is, there's, a, there's a lot behind the scenes that we're not going to dive into, but I do want you guys to have a little bit of context. Um, and so my dad is a small business owner. He owns a, a small alarm company in Tampa. And I've always, ever since I was a kid, even before. Sorry, this is bio, biological bio dad? dad? Correct. Okay. Yeah, my bio dad. He, um, he's, an entre- he's got an entrepreneurial spirit and uh, he's a natural born salesman. And even before I knew, even before I met my dad, like I had already shown a lot of the same traits that he has. Um, so I, I realized when I was a kid that, like, you know, I was going to have to work really hard to, to get out of where we were. I was fortunate that my dad was able to come in and at least give us the financial resources to, to go to better school districts, which is where I ended up. Um, I ended up living in New Tampa. And um, out in, that's where you and I met, Brian, with that Papa John's New Tampa. And, Correct. Yeah. And, and I mean, realistically, I, I you know, I... I didn't really have a whole lot of vision or purpose for my life for like the majority of my life, which I think that is, I think it's actually more common than it isn't. And I think it's one of those things that people don't talk about. Everyone just pretends that like everybody just like is born, like self-actualized and Mm -hmm. knows exactly what they want to do. That's not true whatsoever. Um, I still don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, (laughs) every day is a new day. Yeah. I thought I had it figured out. And then, and then the market just, did this so i'm like okay well damn i don't know so um that being said i i i consider myself crappy and i think that in the past i definitely uh, relied heavily on drugs and alcohol to uh i mean i don't know if you noticed brian but i drank a lot a lot uh, no, I didn't know that except for the fact that you were one of the biggest sources of peer pressure in my life in my late high school, early college years. So that, that's probably where it stemmed from. She was looking <laughs> for an alcoholic buddy and you were hey, the one, Brian. And, and unfortunately for Alicia, I never fell for that peer pressure. 
So not, not that we have any children listening out there, but if we do have children listening, it's okay to say no. Like I did it. I, That's true. I Brian, Brian is, <laughs> I will give you this, like you are unapologetically, like you are steadfast in your values. You don't compromise. And I appreciate that about you, even if it's super fucking irritating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you're literally like a solid rock. You will not budge. But one thing, Alicia, um, I've noticed from getting to know you now talking on the other side uh, is about your sense of hustle. One thing that I've noticed is that you're very determined. And I wonder where did that come from uh, through your upbringing, growing up experiences? Tell me, tell us about that. So hustle is something you can't teach, right, Jerome? You know that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got to get it done. You either have it or you don't. And like working in food service, Brian, you know this. I mean, you, working in food service, there was always, there were always the people who, listen, I know I was late for work a lot, but nobody could argue that when I was at work, I wasn't on. I was always, Absolutely. I try, I was working like, if I was in the shop, in the, in the store for like five minutes in between deliveries, I was, I was on the make line making pizzas. I was making dough. Like I was trying to help out wherever I could because I was all about, making sure we could get things done because at the end of the day, the faster those pizzas go in the oven, the faster I get my next delivery and so on and so forth. It's you keep the machine moving. And I don't think that everybody does have that sense of hustle. I think it's the kind of thing that it might be a little bit of nature. It might be a little bit of nurture. Um, I think that because I worked in service industry jobs, uh, starting out, you have to have that. You got to go like you, you don't have time to sit around and wait for things and people that do, just get in the way and it becomes so frustrating. Like I, I don't, I don't understand people like that. Just please just do something. Just move. Like, you're something don't like you hate when people like don't have like a sense of urgency or if they are, they don't know what the whole goal is. They don't see the vision. You're just all like, dude is staring straight at you. It drives me nuts. I used to have a lot less patience for it, but as I've, as I've grown up a little bit, I, you know, I, I've become more compassionate towards others because I've become more compassionate towards myself. But um, anyway, I think the sense of hustle comes a lot from, I come from a long line of hustlers, like honestly. And I, I learned as a kid, I, I, we were raised in a really, not like abject poverty to the point where we didn't have food or clothes or anything, but it was pretty rough. Like, and uh, we didn't really have a lot. So I, I had to figure out ways to be, crafty to get what I wanted and I learned to be like I'm not going to say manipulative but like you got to be a little slick you got to be a little you got to work the gray area and you got to be you got to work smart and hard you know what I'm saying like and I, yeah. I realized yeah. living in that environment I knew that I did not have a chance if I just sat back and waited for something to happen to me or for me so so you had to fend for yourself and kind of look at what will be the best outcome for you in your situation. Exactly. And because I had so many siblings, it wasn't even just about me. It was like, I got to make sure we're all okay. Like it was, for me, it was, I have a very, very big sense of uh, responsibility to the people that I love. And I will, wow. my, my love language is acts of service. So I do things all the time that I really, really don't want to do because that's how I show love because I want to make sure that the people that are in my life are taken care of and never, I don't want anyone to ever feel like the negative things that I felt when I was a kid, 
you know, some people go on the other end of the spectrum and they start saying like, well, you know, I went there and I turned out just fine. And so it's not a big deal. It's like, mm-hmm. up and up. And it's like I, my, I go the complete opposite direction, which is that that sucked. I don't, I hated that. It was really shitty. Yeah. I don't want you to have to feel that. And if I can help you, I will. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, and it's funny that you bring up the, um, what's it called? Your love language. Cause I recently like, read a little bit about it and like heard a podcast about it and all that. Um, Are you trying to figure out your love language, to... Brian? No, I, I figured mine out now. Um, what is it? And I forget what it's called exactly, but like a spending time with a person, quality time. Quality time. Uh, yeah. That's the same thing so, yeah, for so me. Like, it's mine yeah, in that, the middle, like active service and quality time. Yeah. And that's something that like Abby and I were trying to figure out recently recently I say like the past few months because like we noticed that like whenever she went and did things or whatever like it's not that I didn't want her to go do anything but for some reason I felt very like left out and like why are you doing things without me and like all this sort of stuff like even if we were just sitting in front of the tv doing absolutely nothing like that w- seemed better for me than like oh you you get to have friends and go out like what that, what um so like that was something that I was taking personally unnecessarily and then once I realized, oh, my love language is quality time. And that's why that feels so personal to me. So that was a whole other thing. So it's interesting that you brought that up because I was literally just having this conversation. A lot of people don't realize this. I mean, a lot of the, the reality is that in relationships, you're talking about two people who live completely autonomous lives before meeting each other, have different mm-hmm. And you should have different values, ideas, and beliefs to some extent. Like you should challenge each other. Anybody who right. anybody who gets together with someone and immediately absorbs their identity has other problems. Um, so I mean, like you're going to have conflict, and I think that learning each other's love language is actually really, really important to remediate or mitigate that conflict. Because I, if my love language is acts of service and I'm not into quality time, because quality time is not it's like way down the list for me, mm-hmm. and my wife doesn't know that, and like. I'm outside working on projects or whatever. And like, she's like, well, you don't love me because you're not sitting down with me and her love language. Mm-hmm. All the time. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the act of service to provide something. Right. You're going earning the money so you can take care of her. Exactly. And so that, that is a huge thing in relationships. People don't often take us not often enough, take a step back and examine what, where it's coming from because everything feels so personal. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's a big deal. I think that people who are unaware of that in their relationship uh, could suffer for no reason. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love how y'all are trying to roll your sleeves up. So for the <laughs> listeners, um, Alicia and Brian are constantly rolling their sleeves. I don't know if they're trying to compare skin tone or showing their farmer skin, <laughs> showing their muscles. <laughs> No, it's funny. I just saw Alicia do it two or three times. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to join this game too. I'll start rolling my seat. <laughs> or maybe they're scratching. <laughs> like, it's itchy. I mean, it is pretty hot outside. So, <laughs> But one thing I did notice is that it seems like that you have taken the time to get to know yourself. And especially in this uh, climate, and I would say especially as Americans, it's always our hustle of go, go, go. Don't think about of uh, what you're feeling and about who you are. It's about making that dollar and chasing that paper. But you, it seems like that, yeah, you're about the hustle, but at the same time, you're about taking care of yourself. Where does that come from? So I, 
I am not motivated by anything more than I am feeling like I, I'm genuinely making a positive impact. That to me is the most important thing. There are people out there who still tell you that like, you know, it's not greedy to want more money or to want more resources because then you can hand those to other people and then you're helping them. And I get that. I understand that line of thinking. I'm just not the kind of person who's, I'm motivated by resources to the extent that I don't ever want for my wife, myself, our future adopted children, whatever, to feel that social anxiety or that socioeconomic anxiety, to feel that, so I don't want them to have that pain. So I need to make sure they don't. So for money is a very real thing. We need to survive. This is capitalism. Like, I mean, today, you know, if we were going back to like the hunter-gatherer society, so you, you still have a function. You have to perform something. But at the end of the day, I'm not willing to compromise what I think is uh, ethical in order to achieve a financial goal. I'm not willing to do it. I, that's, that's my absolute full mm -hmm. stop. I will not. And, that's, and the reality is that when I'm working on real estate transactions and I'm working with someone who, you guys never did this. I do have clients that I work with sometimes who make totally unreasonable, unfair requests and ask me to deliver this information or whatever. And I straight up, I have put my foot down with people and said, no, that's not a reasonable accommodation. That's not reasonable. What you're doing is exploiting the situation. That's not fair. This is like, because at the end of the day, yes, my job is to make sure that you get mm -hmm. exactly what you want. But what happens if I go around bullying people into getting the same exact result I would have gotten, right? So here's, here's mm. what ends up happening. Because I, I get extremely similar results to people who do these things, who take those, those tactics. Because you push, 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 and alienate people far enough, they will just do, they'll say yes to get you out of their face. Just to be done, just to close the deal, the next time your name shows up on a contract right. and it's between you and someone else, are they going to want to work with you? Absolutely not. And the reality is when you treat people like human beings and not like they're the opponent on some sort of, like in a competition, sales is sales. Like I'm, I'm good at sales. I'm, I'm a natural salesperson because I believe in solving problems. I look at sales not as like an end. This is not a, a zero-sum game to me. This is, there is a problem, and I can provide a solution for it. And objections are not necessarily objections. They are fears or reluctancies. So if I can, if I can educate you or move past your fear and help you make a decision mm -hmm. that you're confident in, I can actually sell you more than the pushy sales guy who's not letting it go. You get what I'm saying? So I think the way, the way that you treat people will take you a lot further in life. Yeah. And yeah. I have upset, I've got clients who have been upset with the fact that I would not basically mistreat another human being on their behalf. And I'm okay with that. Because I'm not going to make everybody happy. And if there's a hill I'm willing to die on, it's right there. It's, I cannot permit that. It's not something that's in my value system. And if that's not something that someone I'm working with is okay with, that's okay. You can fire me and hire someone else. But I'm not going to compromise my value system for a single transaction. Because where does that stop? That's a strong sense mm -hmm. of resolve. Like, uh, 
standing for what you believe in. And one thing that I've noticed is that you're saying about your name, like your name has precedence and, you know, people who know who you are, they, if they see your work, if they heard about your line of work, you want to make sure that what you have stood for and what you have done matches who you are as a person. Exactly. And I don't expect for every single person in this market to want to work with me. And that's okay. Like, you know, when I first got started in this business, I wanted to cast a wide net. I was really afraid of saying or doing things that would alienate me from certain people. Like I really, I kind of shut my mouth on the internet for a few years. And like, I just kind of stood, you know, took to myself, but like, I've gotten to a point now where I've grown a little bit, so I don't feel the need to be as like bombastic on the internet that shit as I used to be. But like, I um, I'm really not that concerned. If if I lose business over having values, that's okay with me. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I feel like in a business like real estate, which it's not just sales, but like you're literally trying to find somebody a home. And I know sometimes it might be for business purposes, like having an Airbnb, but like at the end is like where you're going to be comfortable in. It's a place for you to live in or a place for you to vacation in and all that. So like it, it really comes down to people, people business, not sales, but people business. So if you can build the appropriate relationships, like I, I don't feel comfortable. Like I remember when I was looking to buy the house that I'm at now, there's one other house that we loved like a thousand times more. I was slightly over our budget and the real, we didn't have a real estate agent yet. We just kind of like, it was the first week of us looking and we saw this house and we're like, Oh my God, this is like the perfect house, which we made a mistake of saying out loud in front of the selling real estate agent. And so she just kind of like went out of her way and trying to like do all of these crazy things and like, Oh, well we can do rent to own. And then she just kept coming up with all these different ways to try to like force this house on us to where like, we were like, okay, so we love this house. But we feel so sketched out that we, we we can't take it. Like it felt so forced on us that like we didn't well, even know if we signed something, what it is that we're signing. So like, because like I said, it was our first week. We hadn't done any sort of research yeah. or whatever. So it it was just, it, it, it was a turnoff. So I, I completely appreciate the fact that you're willing to like not, risk certain things to make sure you're doing it the right way, not the stereotypical salesman way that Yeah. And and the thing is like there where where there's trust, there's there's business. And that's the way I see it. Like it's not just I don't just get to sleep better at night. I also I spent no money in marketing. None. My, the greatest marketing expense I've had actually well no not it's it, that the event that Rob came by, the spooky shuffle I spent money on sending out postcards. I spent money on the event itself, but I don't, I don't pay for marketing. I don't pay for leads. And like my business grows itself because I, I, I work with a very high level of integrity and I'm not willing to compromise that. I actually, I mean, I can give you several examples just literally from some very recent listings that I don't have right now that are not active because I wasn't willing to be dishonest. And that's money that comes directly out of my pocket and it hurts. So it's, um, you know, it, it is what it is. But the other side's my personality that's a detriment to my business. And I, I know Jerome knows this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know exactly what you're about to say because I'm not a mind reader. But I can, pro I can, pro I can probably relate to this. <laughs> 
the reality is that like I am extremely passionate and this is a part of my personality that I cannot turn off. It's not, I don't have an on off switch for this and that passion can definitely work against me and it can work against my business because if I get into a situation because I get so heavily involved with my clients, I mean, Specifically, Robin's Jerome are a great example of this. And I've apologized no, don't feel Jerome bad. It's water, I feel, I water under the bridge. We discussed about it, we, and we both gained clarity from it. I think it was, <laughs> it was a learning experience. I think that we were, we're both headstrong people, first of all. <laughs> so I, I totally agree with that. And we, once we both have a, an idea and we have a vision, like we both go for it. And, you know, at that time, stress and wanting to do it right. And it just... I think it was, was it the lid that blew off the gasket? Is that the phrase they're saying? <laughs> yeah, and, and the reality is that, that that is like, you know, this, this, my personality is really great for this business in that regard, like on the positive side, but on the negative side, there's also that. And so, I mean, I still have a lot of room for growth in terms of how I manage that level of stress because I have, I have learned so much from that experience and um, I, I, I've learned to walk away and just be allow myself to feel what I'm feeling in private and move forward. Because at the end of the day, I have to be the professional. That is my job. And it doesn't matter how personally I how personally how personally attached to the situation or the client or the situation. It doesn't matter. That's not my job. My job mm -hmm. is to be the professional. So I have to have that level of of passion for what I do and genuine care for the people I work for but not allow that to become something that I take personally if things don't go exactly the way that, that I feel they should go. So that's, that is a, a point of growth that I'd say over the last year, I have definitely taken that lesson to heart and I have been very selective about what I choose to respond to when I'm in moments like that and the way I respond. So I have a question and kind of like backtracking a little bit to like, your beginnings to what we're talking about now. So within our first few years of knowing each other, we actually both went to HCC together and we were both trying to do mass communications, which we both clearly went off on completely different paths from that, which part of that though, you were like very much into writing. And I think maybe when you went to FSU momentarily, that was also the path that you were still continuing. How did you go through that path? Like, why did you choose that path to begin with? Um, well, I mean, I have my my undergrad degree in creative writing, which is like, uh, I'm pretty sure you ever you ever is it Trey Kennedy, the guy who does the videos where he makes fun of different like demographics and stuff. Yeah, so he has I don't know if it's Trey, it's one of those guys. He has this really hilarious video where he's like millennials be like or whatever, and um, this he's like on the phone with his mom. He's like, yeah, I got my creative writing degree. And like, he's talking about like how, like all the different stuff that he does as a millennial. I'm just like, Oh, I'm so triggered. Like literally that's me. I have a creative. <laughs> I mean, I got that degree because I, at the time I was extremely passionate about, I was very passionate about writing. And more than that, I, I've, I've always been very passionate about the human condition. And I think that literature is one way to access that. And, um, you know, one of the best classes I ever took when I was in college was uh, the Harlem Renaissance literature class that I took was it really opened my eyes to like, there's so many different perspectives that like, it, it just literally blew my mind. So like, I would, I would argue that my, my formal education has not directly like I joke around a lot how I haven't really made any money off of it. And that's, and that's true to some extent. But really, I think that a degree 
uh, Kurt Vonnegut, my favorite author, said uh, basically a degree in humanities is a degree in, in talking to people. And that's really what it is. Because you, when you understand, when you take a step back and understand people's unique perspectives, and you remove your ego from the situation, it allows you to become a more effective communicator. Hmm. So do you think that, like, passion for writing and literature and all that, do you think that came from, like, for lack of better words, needing an outlet from the struggles you were going through in your life? Or do you think those are... No, I think that, um, you know, there's not a single creative writing major <laughs> who, like, had a great childhood. Sorry, don't believe it. <laughs> writing major, like, something happened. Some shit went down. Like, you you are not normal. Like There's some type of trauma there. See normal, right? But, uh... <laughs> Like the, my last workshop I took in college was uh, the theme of the workshop was like family matters or something. I was like, oh, this is good. This is really good. Like, I'm sure we all have great fucking relationships with our families. This is like awesome, right? So anyway, I, yeah, for sure. Writing was definitely an outlet for me um, because I was like in the middle of all, I obviously still am. I like in the middle child, but, like I'm somewhere in the middle of the six. So I kind of like, I had to, I had to do a lot to stand out. And I chose to, I chose to pick, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, my family's not academically inclined whatsoever, but I was always like the best at school, even though I had undiagnosed ADHD, which per, like in this weird dyslexia and like whatever, like I decided that was going to be my thing. I decided that. And once I decided that, I realized that I really liked this one component of it. And I decided to uh, explore it more. My, my imagination is not nearly as wild as, as a lot of the peers that I had at FSU. And like, once I saw how much talent was out there, I was like, damn, like I'm good at, I'm good at this to a certain extent, but this isn't my thing and I know it because these people live and die for it. This is all they do. This is their whole mission in life. For me, it was just something that was, that I really enjoyed doing that I wanted to become very good at. So it was more of a hobby that I got my degree. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So how'd you end up from there onto real estate? Which I know is kind of a journey in itself. <laughs> it's funny because if you talk to realtors, like real estate's like the dumping ground for like people of all sorts of, of failed professions. Like, uh, and, and I don't say this like in any way to, uh, you know, belittle what we do. It's just, it's the truth. So basically like a lot of realtors come from hospitality or they had other businesses or they, you know, like, Sales background, whatever. Um, so for me, when I bought my house in 2016, I fell in love with the process, and it it was like a great balance of the two parts of my brain that that I that I like the most. Like basically, when it comes to analytics and data, I really like being able to make sense of things. But I'm really more of a people person, so I got to combine those two things and put them together in a way that I felt was meaningful. Um, I also saw a huge hole in the market because I remember when my wife and I were searching around for realtors, which in hindsight, literally, like, who doesn't know, like, 15 realtors? No, it's every side hustle uh, that I've known for the most part, like, especially, you know, since Brian and I are teachers, I usually hear teachers, this is what they do during the summer, is that they will sell homes during the summer, then teach um on the other times 
Yeah. And a lot of, there are a lot of part-time realtors out there. Um, but anyway, so I just, I didn't have a realtor that I trusted at that time. So I'm shopping around, I'm calling these people and people wouldn't, their realtors would not take my phone call unless I, because my budget was 150 grand at the time, which back in 16, you could actually get a decent house for 150. But I mean, the reality is like, I saw, I saw a deficit. I felt very lost. I knew I had a goal. I was someone who, who wanted this. I decided to, to like put my claws into it and I wasn't getting the help that I, that I was looking for. And I thought that was ridiculous. So I like, go through this process to buy the house and I ended up finding a realtor that I really liked. And um, she was a referral through an, another friend who I just bought. Anyway, I, I had a feeling that there were things that could have gone differently, which is how a lot of people get into the business. They're like, oh, well, I can do it better. Then you get into the business and you start to realize, like, oh, my God, this is really not as easy as I thought it was. But you, it's a decision, really, because this is not an easy business. And people who do this as a side hustle, I respect it. Um, but there's a level of, there's a level of, uh, what, how, what, how do I mean to say this? Yeah, there's some dedication that you have to put forth. Yeah. You really, there are so many nuances in this business. So literally every single component of the real estate transaction, there are so many nuances. There's, there's a million things to know. Nobody can know everything. And if you're doing it part-time, you're not giving yourself the time that your, your people actually need. Like your buyers are relying on you to have information before you go to an inspection. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to quickly educate your buyers on what to look for before they start throwing $500 at an inspector. Like, and, and I think a lot of realtors are really, they, they take the path of least resistance, which is that they say, I can't tell you this, I can't advise you on this. And that's correct. That's true. They are not a home inspector. But you can't look at a sticker on an HVAC system and tell me that it was manufactured <laughs> in 2013. Yeah. Why is that difficult? So that's kind of, that, yeah, that's my take on that. And I think that goes too with the being the people person business. Like, since, like you said, you can't as a realtor necessarily advise on all the very specifics because you're not the other roles. You have to be able to not only make connections between you and the buyer or the seller, but also like the inspectors and the finance people and all these other different parts, like you said, all the nuances of yeah. the business. That like if you haven't made those connections and you said before, and I think Jerome even wrote down the quote that like, if there's trust, then yeah. there's business. So if you don't have a trusting relationship between all those people, or like maybe if Jerome is like my mortgage person and you're my realtor, but I don't trust Jerome. If you can't be the person to help connect the three of us to make it work, then it's just why bother doing that? So like, like you said, I'm sure there's a way to do it part-time. So we're not, I guess necessarily discouraging anyone else. But like when you need to build such a trust, like how do you do that? And like, well, I got five minutes for you today. So let's build some trust really quick. There's moving roles that you have to put in place in order for things to work. I mean, I just noticed from through Alicia's work is that she had multiple contacts um, within her house of networks. And it was just very beneficial to have that as a realtor because I worked with someone else and they didn't have that many contacts of who to reach out to, or they just withhold that information. I think that some people uh, sometimes 
don't want to give all their information to maybe their clients. Um, they feel like they want to show all their cards. But, you know, one thing is that for me, Alicia, I've noticed is like a sense of uh, openness and having that vulnerability piece. So I think a lot of a lot of people are afraid of the liability end of it. And um, I've just never been burned that badly. I haven't been burned that badly yet. And even though I'm a skeptical person, I still, I firmly believe in treating adults like adults. Mm -hmm. I think that when what you give is what you get, for the most part, don't get me wrong. I have definitely given nothing but respect. And, and you know, I have given, placed my trust in people who have violated that trust. It's happened. I'm not that much of an idealist. Um, but I think the reality is that when you show people that you trust them, they will in turn trust you. It's, we are very, as human beings, we are very guarded. You never know what someone's been through in life. And this is where we would take a break. So if anyone would like to host our episodes, please uh, let us know. Host or sponsor our episodes? Sponsor. Bitch, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and would like to do all the work for us so then we won't have to hear Brian correcting me all this, all this time. Let us know. <laughs> Listen, you love me for my corrections. Yes. Like take for example someone like someone like Jerome, right? This is a this is a person of color. He's experienced life differently than I have, right? So like I mean, I have to respect that there are things that you've been through in your life that I haven't experienced. And how does that, what does that have to do with real estate? And this is where, this is where people get really lost in the sauce about like race issues, right? Like identity politics, I get it. I, there, there's more to a person, but what, has something happened to you that automatically gave you distrust for some part of this process mm -hmm. due to that? I have to make sure that I'm taking a step back and getting to know you. I got to know what's going on with you because I need to make sure that we're speaking the same language and I'm not inadvertently uh, encroaching on your space to be who you are. And like, that's, that's really like, at the end of it, I don't even know what the fuck what the question was. At this no, point. I feel like you're making a sermon, sis. Preach. Yeah, no, anyway, I think y'all get what I'm saying. Like it's, everybody has their own unique perspective. And I think that if we can respect that about each other, it's not like I'm not afraid to say certain things. I want to respect you. Because that is how I earn your trust. Mm -hmm. That is how we build a relationship. It's not because I have to. I want to. Unless you're a dick, and then I don't want to. I'm like, bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're feeling bad. <laughs> so then, going off of that, like, I feel like you've gone through a lot of experiences, and like you said, it's important to get to know people's experiences and gain that trust that way, and give trust however else you want to word it, but create that trust. Um, what would you say, whether it's business, education, or life in general, what is like the best piece of advice you've gotten and the worst piece of advice you've gotten? You get what you deserve in your imagination. Wait, what does that even mean? I'm lost. Basically, what that what that means, because Jerome looks like he wants a little bit of... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I need a little <laughs> bit of insight because I'm literally trying to like piece it all together but my mind so you guys have heard the expression uh whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right correct yes so there's one of the biggest pieces of growth for me actually came um when i least expected it i went to this there's this training class 
uh, called Bold that Keller Williams, Keller Williams puts on. And it's very, like, rah-ha-ha, ha, like, drink the Kool-Aid, whatever. Listen, I, I'm self-aware enough to know that this is, you know, it's not, it is one of those fuzzy things. But there was one, one or two lessons that really stood out to me in that coursework. The whole thing that I, I think that for me it was a, a mindset shift because I didn't, I felt that because I had to be of service to other people, I had to be meek or sacrifice or I had to, I, I, I didn't deserve what other people did, right? And once you change that rhetoric in your head, once you change the way you see that, you start getting more of what you think you deserve. And that's the truth. Like, if I, if I subconsciously believe that I don't deserve to work with people of a certain price point, or I don't deserve to close a certain amount of deals, or I don't deserve to have, like, a certain quality of life because of X, Y, or Z. Like, I was raised in an environment like this, so I'm going to be a product of it, whatever. Yeah, so subconsciously you're going to limit yourself. Exactly. Sorry, I mean to interrupt you. No, but yeah. that's, that's it. That's really it. Like, and I think that that's your mindset. Having an open mindset, not a fixed mindset, is so much easier said than done. But if you allow yourself, it's not like the secret where it's like visualize all this happening. It's like you just have to really believe that you are worth it. And that will come across. And you have to put those beliefs into action because, you know, if you're just saying it and just saying it as a mantra, that only does so much until it's fully implemented. Yes. Yeah. And it just makes me think of like, you know, nothing against anyone in particular, but like, I get so tired of hearing like, you know, thoughts and prayers for this. Cause like, yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm glad that you're thinking of me, praying for me, whatever, being positive, at least have me in your mind, but like, okay. But, but what are we going to do after that? Like there's only. So then you're saying that you hate my positive vibes. Then. Why are you this person? No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying positive vibes alone can fix it. They're the turning point because if you don't have the positive attitude, then nothing's ever going to change ever because you just think that, like, Alicia, you just said, like, you deserve that negativity, so you're going to get stuck in that rut. But once you've created the positive mindset of, like, okay, I can do this, we will do this, we can fix this, whatever the situation may be, once you have the mindset, okay, well, then let's do it. Like, I can't just be like, I'm going to make millions of dollars one day, I'm going to be super yeah. successful, and then just sit there and watch Netflix. Like, you have once you have the possibility in your mindset, now work yeah. for that possibility. Bible proverb of what faith without works is dead. Sure. <laughs> sure for, for all for everyone who is uh, of from a religious background, and you know, well, me, I'm agnostic, spiritual, but just to have that, throw that quote out sure, there. Sure, we're pretending it's accurate too. So yeah, no hate from anybody. Sure. Uh, what about your worst advice you've ever gotten? I, I would say that the worst advice I've ever gotten is that there, I can't trust anybody and I had to look out for myself. I think that's the worst advice I've ever gotten. And that's, and that was advice I was, it's, it was like beaten into me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think it was a, that was one of the things that, like, ab abusers will say things like this to you because they don't want you to seek validation or anything outside of what they're telling you. So you cannot trust anybody. You cannot talk to people. The world is full of liars, snakes, cheats. 
the world is full of whatever you look for. And that's the truth. If you're, if you're encountering a bunch of liars, snakes, and cheats, maybe it's a, a, an important opportunity for you to take a look at yourself. Amen. And figure out, A, what am I doing to put myself in environments where there are so many people like this? And B, even if I'm in environments where there's not an overwhelming majority of people who behave like this, why am I attracting the people who do? Or C, what am I doing to provoke that characteristic in another person? And I think that's so powerful too. That's something that like I've talked to my students a lot about this year. Um, Cause I remember like sometimes we do mindfulness Mondays. Yeah. So I'll play like either some sort of like, I'm not super into meditating, so I don't do the meditating part of it, but we'll do some sort of like reflection writing or watch some sort of like positive video and talk about the impacts of it and all that. And there was one video that I did that was for like random acts of kindness. And it was like the kindness boomerang. So one person did something and it just kept going and it eventually came back to the original person. And there was a couple of my students that were like, oh, people are not like that in real life. There's no people that just do nice things for other people. I'm like, no, but there is. It might not be a lot, but there are people like that out there. And they're like, oh, no, everybody's just out to get you. I'm like, of course. if you really feel like that, you're in the wrong crowd. Because like you – like, yes, there's only so much you control, especially at a young age. Like – I lo a lot of things when you're at a young age, you get put wherever your parents put you, whatever school you get put into, like all that. So yeah, there is only so much you can control. So it's harder to see it at that age. But at the same time, it's like mm -hmm. your friend group might be wrong. Like if your friend group is like, oh, well, we're always the ones getting cut. Okay, well, go to the people that are not always getting cut. Like, what are you doing? So we've had so many of those conversations and that's, I think, so true for adults too. Cause like, I just see like people posting on social media of like, oh, these relationships are the worst so like all the backstabbers and all this is like are allowed to walk away <laughs> like again much easier said than done are you seeing those red flags as well as you're coming along the way yeah but there are choices you can make as far as like who are you surrounding yourself with what are you looking into like if i'm constantly watching the news which i'm not saying you shouldn't be informed but like it's always that constant negative like information coming into you then of course you're going to see everything that's wrong with the world because all you're hearing is what's wrong with the world right and and it really it does go back to you get what you deserve in your imagination right because if you think about it think about it like this if i am in toxic relationship after toxic relationship there is clearly a pattern of behavior that i am repeating inadvertently or or consciously right so like maybe i have some really stereotypical unresolved daddy issues and i am taking that out of my dating life and i can't help myself i just love bad boys whatever you know what i'm saying like you believe to some extent that you deserve to be treated like shit yeah. and yeah. it reaches a point it reaches a point where you get treated so badly like shit where it crosses over a threshold and you're like oh no this is too shitty i'm only supposed to be treated this shitty but you still believed that you were you should have been treated with a level of respect that is beneath what you should have been treated with. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. It, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if I think I deserve little, then I'm going to get little and see, I've told you that I deserve little. Like, look at what's happening to me. And don't get me wrong. I think there are definitely, there are sociopaths and narcissists out there. There are plenty of people who are very, very, very good at deceit and manipulation. So if you fall for it once or twice, that's different. But if that's a pattern of behavior where every single right, one of your... Right. I mean, you're attracting that shit. You're doing that. You got to take responsibility. And I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of growth, a lot of, a lot of white people will not grow is because they will not be accountable. 
Absolutely. That part. They They don't want. They will not. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. As long as we know that it wasn't me, the one that was interrupting, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, because like it, it definitely the accountability piece and being responsible. If you don't take the time to sit down and reflect, I mean, that's for me, for my personal growth. If I don't sit down and I, you know, see for myself, hey, Jerome, I've noticed that, you know, there's things right now that are shitty uh, in your life. Is it things that I'm able to control or things that I'm not able to control? What uh, can I change my positive or can I change my outlook? Maybe I'm looking at everything negatively. I mean, I know from the difference between from like the two weeks ago that I was feeling really, really crappy, you know about work and now it's just some some of the things was that it was my outlook i was looking out for the negatives i was always looking out for you know for example students doing random outbursts instead of you know focusing on what is some students are really wanting my attention and just wanting my help but i was looking at it you know in a certain way that oh man like everything's out to get me yeah it's a cliche but it's true like i think that what really what really makes people afraid because i was talking to my therapist about this recently which by the way i'm a huge advocate for therapy and i mental uh, health yes i I started taking uh psychiatric meds in the last two years and it's literally like changed my life like i i i could i could talk for hours just on this one topic because i was again i was raised in an environment where i was made to believe that if you take medication for something you are weak that is not true you know, if someone has diabetes and they need insulin, then God damn it, they need insulin. If you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and you need to correct it, that does not make you weak. It just makes you a person. And I really hate that rhetoric. And I really, really hate a lot of the pop culture rhetoric on this. But anyway, so the, my therapist was telling me that a lot of people feel that life happens to them. Mm-hmm. Like things just happen to you. That is not true. You experience your life. And the reality is, like, these are all cliches, it's extremely difficult, but I truly believe that at the end of the day, what makes, what is the difference between someone with a fixed mindset and someone with a growth mindset is some, that person with a growth mindset is willing to accept that they don't already know everything. If you already know everything, where are you going to grow? You're already the best. You're the best you're ever going to be. Good for you. You made it in your mind. You're never going to make it. You will always have room to grow. And the second you believe that you've achieved something that that there's you don't need to work for anymore, it's over. And you're not going to be accountable. And uh, it's painful to take responsibility for the things that we do sometimes because we do some pretty cringy shit. I mean, going back to the example from earlier, not to belabor it because I, I know that we're past this drill, but like, do you think that was a fun thing? That was not a fun conversation for me to have with you. That sucks. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> like, it, it was... It was, but it was a conversation that was needed and we both had to take, especially, you know, at that point of being honest with ourselves. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of personal responsibility to have. And I think that it's, it's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good in the moment. It feels a lot better after. Just like it feels really good in the moment to have an outburst and you feel absolutely (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's something that I've worked on is in a relationship or like with really close friends, like if there was something like I would, or my family, if I would get so angry and I still do at times to where like I have those outbursts, but like before I didn't even acknowledge that I had them. Now I'm like, 
oh snap, I need to not like it, sometimes even in the moment I'm like, ha, I'm yelling, I need to walk away. Because like if you're not controlling that or you're not even like you said, acknowledging and holding yourself accountable for it, you're just feeling shitty afterwards. Cause like I this is something that I've talked to a couple of people, like people have told me, like you said, just dismissed me to shut me up. Like, yeah, you're right, whatever. And and I felt worse knowing that I'm right than actually solving anything because I, I don't I don't want to be right. I just was trying to get a point across. I got way too passionate about it, too angry about it, and exactly it, it didn't solve anything. I just felt worse. So if you're gonna focus more on wanting to be right rather than uh learning to understand, you're always going to you're gonna plateau. Mm-hmm. Hashtag check your vibes, vibe calibration. Thank you for saying hashtags. Because I always feel like I'm a loser for saying hashtags, so now there's two of us. Great, good job. We've got to adapt, okay? We're we're not we're not the young turkeys we used to be. I don't know if that's what people say, but I'm just saying we're you know we're we're, getting, we're becoming very irrelevant very fast. Gen Z is so good at TikTok, I cannot figure that shit out. Like I don't get it at all. I try, I'm trying, but hashtags, I got that. I can say a hashtag. Yeah, let's hashtag it out. Hashtag it out. So speaking of hashtags, before we wrap up with our plus delta, do you want to just for the sake of it, because I think you're awesome, uh, plug in your business real quick so people can look out for you? Let me let me just say, if you are in the market to buy right now, reach out to me. Let's talk. Unless you have a lot of money, I would sit back. I'd love to. I'd love to talk to you about the process. I'd love to talk to you about what what it's going to take and prepare you. But I'm. I want to set the expectation for you right now. This is an extremely difficult and psychologically damning market for buyers. So don't set yourself up for failure. I'm. I want to set that expectation right now. Okay. And if you're selling your house, oh my God, I can make you so much money. Oh yes. I speak from experience. She is a working dog. She will fight for you uh, always up to bat. I mean, I, I, I can't say anymore. Like Alicia is awesome. She knows her stuff. And that's one thing that I appreciate about her is just like that hustler mentality. Like what, do what we got to do. Yeah. Thank you. Drew. I appreciate that. Drew. So yeah, I mean, uh, realistically, my, AliciaDeerCats.com, really, really easy. It's a super unique made-up last name. That's how you find me. Call me, text me, whatever you need. What are your plus and delta from either this conversation or life? Positive that you've seen about yourself, about your growth, about our conversation, about life, and the change that you would like to see happen? I have never been more excited about the future. Um, Not because I think that the climate is great, or because I think that our economy is booming, or that like, it's not, there are no external factors that make me feel like extremely optimistic about the future. I feel optimistic about the future right now because I took the time to confront the really uncomfortable things about myself that brought me so much shame and guilt that I could not see past those negative things. So I would say that the the, the positive right now, I'd say, is if you feel completely demoralized, depressed, you're struggling, you feel like you don't know where to go from here, go deeper into the hole and fix what's broken, or at least try, and then come back out. Because it's, 
you might think that you're, you're going to be better off avoiding that pain and trying to redirect your attention, but that pain will always come back. So my, my big takeaway, like, from, from my life is, like, I am hurting in a lot of ways right now. I'm actually, like, I'm hella depressed right now. This is, it's not easy to, to work your ass off and not get paid. It's really not. So what I have to do is constantly remind myself that, like, I, 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 I'm proud of what I do. I'm proud of who I am. And I know that if I keep working and I stay the course, I will get exactly what I deserve in my imagination. I love it. That's beautiful. That's from experience right there. You can just tell. Ah, oh, the emotion. <laughs> Shit's wild. That's crazy. But I appreciate you guys. I really do. Um, I'm sorry. I know I talk a lot. And I, like, I no, you're wonderful. Topic. No. No, not at all. This was great. I, I just yeah. felt like it was just organic and that it was from the heart. And that's what we need right now. Yeah, we some don't scripted, need yeah. some, yeah, yeah. you know, corporate... So, Jerome, are you telling me that you were not a huge fan of Kylie or Kendall Jenner's Pepsi campaign? The, uh, join, join the movement? <laughs> join the movement. Join the Drink movement. Pepsi. I was here. So that means that I did everything I was involved. I was present just because I was there. No. Do a little bit more work on yeah, I love I love the uh, tone deaf consumerism. It's hilarious. Like y'all miss the mark so hard. Like when when Hillary Clinton, uh, did you hear about? Okay, so obviously this is forever ago, but Hillary Clinton did an interview with like um, some like talk show in Atlanta or something, and they asked her. This is right after Beyonce's Lemonade came out. They asked her what one she always keeps in her bag, and she said hot sauce. Really, sis? Did you hear about that? No. I did it. Wow. I was so embarrassed. I was like, girl, I'm going to still vote for you, but you're making this really difficult. Like, I Good job with the pandering. Like, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to get the black vote. <laughs> God damn. Anyway, so are we cool, man? Can I go? I got, I got stuff to do, dude. What's up? Right, okay, okay, okay. I guess this is our way of saying bye. Uh, listeners, stick around for R plus Delta after this messages. All right, we're back. So that was such a deep and emotional interview that we had. Yeah, I mean, for real, I, I've i known Alicia for many years and as much as I like pulling her leg and, you know, making fun of her for the silly decisions she made once upon a time, she is so well-rounded and um, I don't know if deep is the word that I'm looking for, but she is so into the conversation she has and gives her, her all whenever she's talking to anybody. She's just very honest, very vulnerable. I feel like I'm in a Brene Brown podcast type conversation. So are you saying that was shallow? It wasn't It wasn't raw at all. It was shallow and not raw, un, unfiltered. I don't know what you're saying because that's not what I said at all. No, I was saying that the conversation just wasn't no, deep. It was just shallow. I said. I said it was very uh, I, deep. It was very meaningful. And we were all in a very vulnerable place. So, it was just going down deeper and deeper in the hole. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Do you want to go ahead and say you're plus in Delta? Because I'm sick of you already. <laughs> sure thing. So uh, one thing about my plus is 
going listening to her conversation and listening to her personal experiences uh growth is a constant change it's dynamic it's not always moving upward it's not about just moving downward as well i mean it's pretty much whatever personal it, i feel like it's sometimes it's cyclical it depends on what is your place and point of where you are in your own personal path and thinking about what journey that you're going through and through your experiences you're going to learn more about yourself but the first step that you have to take is understanding yourself more being able to go through those dark parts i mean that's one thing that i'm experiencing you know through uh my own personal self is that exploring about the beliefs that i've had and that they may change and that's okay yeah. absolutely um i don't think you worded that like as a plus and delta but i love your message so much that i'm not even gonna make fun of you for too long about it um well, gee, thanks. That makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. Motivational speaking. <laughs> yeah, I think you're the opposite of motivation. <laughs> um, uh, no, but yeah, I completely agree with everything that you just said. And to kind of stick with the pattern of not literally wording it as a pleasant delta, because I'm going to connect them both as a positive and a change. Um, I just think one, from what Alicia said and what we've talked about, we just need to be better at believing in ourselves. Now, obviously that can't be constant because we all go through our downs. We all go through our struggles. So it's okay to like feel, but I think the more you believe in yourself, the more that others will believe in you too. Cause I know, um, someone like Alicia or other people that struggle, it is very easy to, kind of like brush them off and be like, oh, look at all the things that they're doing and like they're never going to be anything and whatever. And I think a lot of times people feel like that about themselves, like, oh, well, my family came from poverty or my family came from this struggle, so I must live in that too. I think the more that you believe in yourself, the more that other people are going to see that confidence and give you opportunities. And eventually it will you it will take years, months, however long, but you will reach the point of success that you want to reach as long as you believe that you can reach it one day. So definitely give yourself more confidence and others will follow. Believing and trusting in the process of life. Um, life is not all about accomplishments and it's not just about uh, happiness. I mean, there's sorrow, there's pain, there's hurt, there's frustration, uh, there's hope, there's joy. That's mm -hmm. why we go through all of these uh, emotions and just, you know, negating that, I think that it robs a sense of uh, who you are. Yeah. So everyone, trust and believe in the process of life, that whatever happens, it will happen, but you have the choice to make it to what it becomes. Right, you can't always choose what happens, but you can always choose how you react. So Absolutely. Um, I don't even think we should say anything else because the conversation was so wonderful that we might get sidetracked. So listeners, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you listening. Keep listening and interact with us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at plus Delta three on both. Um, we want to hear more from you. So be on the lookout for more episodes, be on the lookout for posts and tell us what you want to hear about. And uh, pod media at plus Delta for our emails. And 
with that till next time y'all bye see ya